Hello there, I'm Miranda Gretton and this is Take a Moment with NCHC, the show where we talk to you and your colleagues about experiences that affect you. Listen on your drive between patients or in your downtime, whenever you get the chance to take a moment. In this episode, we talk about what is meant by the term a sense of belonging and the work that Emma Clark from NNUH is doing with the ICS as a whole to support staff to feel they can be truly authentic at work. Hello everybody, um, my name is Emma Clark and I am the EDI HR Officer at the Norfolk and Norwich University Hospital Trust. I'm Mercy Kegwa and I am the EDI Advisor for Norfolk Community Health and Care Trust. So Emma, can you give us a brief summary of what is meant by the term sense of belonging? Yeah, sure. So it, it, it's for me, I think sense of belonging is feeling recognised feeling recognised as a person in the NHS, in the organisation you work for, feeling valued and, you know, feeling that they have a voice, feeling that all staff have a voice in their their organisation that they work for. And the reason why that's so important is because we know that having having those feelings of being valued, feeling recognised, you're then going to be very much more engaged in the area that you work within and you know for me staff engagement is is key we work there for a number of years for a number of hours you know it's it's a great big part of your life and we should be feeling valued in you know an air in an environment where we you know spend a lot of our life <laughs> so you're very much more feeling engaged you're very much being more productive and happy So what's the difference between staff engagement and feeling a sense of belonging? Like if you're engaged, is that the same as feeling like you belong? Yeah, that's a good point. I think it's I think it's different. So I suppose feeling engaged, you know, you might feel engaged one day, but other days you might not feel engaged. And that's okay. Whereas a sense of belonging is where you, you know, you really feel that actually my work, my employer cares, you know, they, they feel happy to work there. They feel proud to work there. They talk about their work with their colleagues, their, their family, their friends, you know, and actually if a sense of belonging is very much, I feel, I feel safe, I feel valued and I'm proud. And I think engagement is slightly different in that, you know, as I said, you might you might feel some days you are don't feel very motivated, but in other days, you know, you might feel very much engaged, very much want to be part of a discussion. But your sense of value, your sense of belonging normally stays with you. In both of those questions, I think that ultimately we want people to it's that buzzword at the moment of being authentic being allowed to be themselves, not having to shy away of being something that you authentically are and having to put on like this face that I know the majority of people do because when you come to work you you are this some people believe and act as this title that they are rather than this is my work and this is who I am and put them putting it together sometimes a job can be bigger than who we are or may appear to be in some ways we all have a sense of having like many different facets of our lives. And so when um, you're able to just be you at all times and do your job successfully, I think that 
supports us to have this sense of belonging because we don't have to be all of these different characters. We all know that we've got different friendship groups, peer groups at work, inside of work and the other hobbies that we may have, but we're still the same person. And so knowing that you can belong in all of these groups, but as one person and that you're not anything more than that is, is amazing. It's amazing. And it's, it's less taxing on a person because you are just you and you are, like um, Emma was saying, you're recognised as being you, which is amazing. I would say that with regards to engagement, engagement can be seen in so many different ways because we engage in so many different things in so many different ways. So you can share a post on social media and engagement might just be viewing it, might be liking it, might be clicking on the link inside that post and going to wherever that leads and so on and so forth. And we can measure that. We can measure all of these likes and link ticks and stuff like that. We can measure that very easily. However, knowing how that makes us feel and then what we do about it afterwards, what is the action after viewing, after consuming what has been fed to us? You know, so we ask people to join staff networks. We ask people to attend events. What happens afterwards? What's the knock-on effect afterwards? So I've attended this event, then what? I'm listening to this podcast. What am I going to do with that information afterwards? You know, how, how has that changed my way of thinking? And how has that way of thinking changed so that I can now act in a certain way? What, what are the things that I then put in process after that consumption of whatever it is that I've engaged in? Something that, you know, I just sort of pick pick up from, from what you were saying, Mercy, is a comment that actually resonated with me within one of our staff network forums. A colleague actually said, I hadn't realised that I had a work me until I had these discussions in the start in our staff network forums. I did not realise I put a different face on, as it were, when I'm at work. Now, knowing this and this is what the colleague was saying now knowing that the trust cares that the trust is committed to providing this sense of belonging culture I now feel safe and able to share my own lived experiences share me you know this is me and that's you know that was really empower empowering actually to hear um and made me realise as an EDI lead at the Trust, why we do these initiatives, why we have staff networks. That's fascinating to me because I've had this discussion with friends uh, previously outside of the workplace about how exhausting it must be to to not be authentic at work because you have to remember which version of yourself you're presenting at any one time. And that must be quite, it must be quite taxing on a person. And I don't feel like I've ever done that I feel like I've always taken myself away that's why sometimes I've been viewed as maybe a bit silly or a bit over the top because I'm quite you know I'm a drama student at heart so I can be a bit much sometimes and I've never dampened that down for the workplace and so I've had feedback on my personal style before and Mercy you and I we talked about that in our international women's podcast that quite often women in particular get feedback on their personal style as being too abrasive or too hysterical you know historically that's been a problem but I've never sort of thought to myself, oh, I should stop showing that side of me 
because it's me. So I, I'm quite comfortable to do that. But I can completely understand why some people might not be. But I'm interested in your guys' thoughts on what is the fear? You know, this person who raised that in your staff network forum, what was the fear? That What was stopping them from showing that authentic self to, to have such an epiphany to say, oh, it's brilliant that I can now do that? Why weren't they doing it previously? What are the reasons? I think it's a number of reasons. One reason could be that actually in their working environment, they didn't feel represented. And that could be particularly within the working environment that they they were working in. But coming to these forums made them realise that actually they're not on their own. They're not alone. We may have different experiences, which we obviously share in these forums, which is really empowering and really important. But then we can also relate to those experiences sometimes, which, again, creates that um, empowerment and in turn look to address those experiences. OK, so what can we do about those? Is there some disproportionalities here? Some experiences might be positive. What can we learn from those positive experiences? How can we ensure that everyone has the best experience in the workplace, regardless of their protected characteristics? So, Mercy, do you think it's because I'm an English white woman that perhaps I and I don't have any protected characteristics? I'm not disabled. I don't, you know, do you think that's why I have never felt like I have to worry about hiding my true authentic self at work? But you do have a protected characteristic because you are female. Because I'm a woman, yeah. You have enough. your gender. I, I, don't, exactly. I don't see it. <laughs> and so, so I see it from exactly all, all points of view now. And so I know that before I became an old woman, um, I very much, I very much was, I am a black woman. And so I need to behave in a certain way. And so I'm like, oh, my blackness is against me. My femininity is against me. Now I've had to make sure that I know that my age isn't against me because now I'm 40. And so I'm like, age is nothing. I'm like, this is the best years of my life. My blackness is the best thing that is ever going to happen to me. The fact that I'm female is the best thing that's ever happened to me. All of these things that um, make us feel like someone is going, we're going to feel isted against the fact that I have a disability, all of the, God, I could tick all the boxes, all of these things that could make us feel like we have to hide something is what ultimately goes against us all. Because we're, like you say, it's so tiring. It's really tiring. I think had I have been diagnosed as having Crohn's disease many, many years ago, I probably would have hidden that. Knowing the personality that I had then I know that I would have hidden that because I know that I tried to hide my blackness I know that I tried to come across as being softer because I am a black woman and we're always perceived as being angry black women strong black women and it's like no we're just women who happen to be black you know or black and just happen to be a woman whatever way you want to see it and so I know that I would have like I say, if this was an older condition, I probably would have hidden that too or tried to make it seem as if it's something that isn't a thing. Whereas now we're living in a world where we're allowed to have these conversations and be proud and empowered by these conversations and be confident in saying who we are and what we're about and how these things do not diminish who our, what our being is. I know that I would never hide these things. I am a super dork. 
and I am super cheesy. And those things may go against what people think is quote unquote black, but doesn't stop me being any more black than I am. I am not the most feminine person on the planet, but that doesn't stop me being a woman just because I don't have a disability that is seen, as it were, just because it may be hidden or invisible, whatever phrase you would like to use, doesn't mean that I am any less disabled, but it doesn't stop me being able because I very much am. And so I think that if people can accept the fact that we are just people, that sense of belonging is immediately there because we all have that in common. Your protected characteristic is very much being a female identifying person and you belong in this conversation amongst two other people who are female identifying people. Yeah, I forget sometimes because it doesn't, I don't think of it as like, it. do you know what I mean though? I don't think of it as like anything that would hold me back or we, I've never, I wonder, I don't know whether that's just how I've always. If you put it this you know? way, if we weren't in Norfolk, maybe if we we're in a more multicultural community where there were more minority ethnic people, if we we're more in an organisation where there were more minority ethnic people, you may be actually of the minority because there are many of those organisations that exist in this country. You may be of that minority and then you would start to realise other differences that you have. I can notice my differences because I wear my differences. I wear a major difference immediately. It's very visible that I am a black person. But you would see yours if you're in another part of the country, wouldn't you, in that kind of organisation? And the fact yeah, that and as much as we're all women, I am the only black woman on this conversation. However, I still very much feel like I belong here because the three of us are women, just because the two of you are visibly white. If people don't know about your heritage or anything, to me, it doesn't stop me feeling like I belong any less. And I think, you know, yeah, we as, as NHS, we, we know um, that the majority of our NHS workforce are female. But it's interesting you mentioned, you know, I don't feel that I've been held back when you look at again I'm, I'm 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 getting my data out but when you when you do look at the data you know what does that tell us more males are in the higher positions so um you know you may personally not have felt that way but as a majority of our female workforce they they are being held back Absolutely, they are. Yeah, more, there are more men in senior positions in the NHS than mm. there are women. And that absolutely, statistically, yeah. yeah, it yeah. does. It yeah, speaks volumes. It's like, what, how, how is that even possible? Like mm. the yeah. amount of women in a female-oriented organisation. Yeah. yeah, how is that possible? How is that possible that we're being led by men? If they're the best people in the positions, whatever the phrase is, absolutely fine. But how is that actually possible that we're the minority? in what's technically our sector and that's why you know the main reason why we at the Norfolk and Norwich have a women's staff network it's having that um forum for female identifying staff to share their thoughts in terms of progression in terms of how we can um, address our gender pay gap and also the well our well-being of of our staff as well particularly um, that the network is talking about at the moment, you know, flexible working. How can we ensure 
our organisations are um, more flexible for our, for our workforce in order for them to then feel more encouraged and confident to apply for those more senior positions. And, you know, similarly with wellbeing, we're very much uh, talking about the menopause at the moment and how can we support our staff approaching the menopause to, in, in the first instance, stay with us and then also look to progress as well. Yeah, that is a huge topic. A lot of people feel pushed out of work because there just aren't the provisions there to support and those conversations aren't happening. I just want to circle back to something that Mercy said. So when you were talking about the fact that now you feel more comfortable being your authentic self and, and having that sense of belonging at work now than you would have done, you know, with your your previous sort of personality, as you put it, years ago. I'm interested to know if you think it's your age and your experience that as we get older, do we feel more confident to be ourselves because we feel more like we know who ourselves, who we are than at 20, say? Or is it that the world and therefore acceptance has moved on? I'm just thinking for any younger listeners who have come in, who are coming in maybe as apprentices into the NHS who are thinking, you know, I can rule the world or, you know, or, or perhaps the opposite. Is it age and experience that brings that sense of belonging or is it that the world has moved on and actually those 20 year olds coming in as apprentices are going to be fine because that's just how the world is now more accepting? Um, I think it's maybe a mixture of, of the two. I think that I've got age and experience. So, yes, I can say that because with experience, you become more tired, don't you? You become like, oh, my goodness, like how much of a toll can I allow experiences like bad experiences I'm not saying that all experiences are negative but the negative experiences how much of a toll can I allow this to take like continue to take on me I actually need to change this and like Emma was saying your well-being is the only thing that is going to take you through you need to support your own well-being yes we're lucky to be in a caring profession where we have the provisions we have well-being provisions we can seek this out maybe a lot easier than other organizations I don't know and other sectors um however it is our responsibility to do so ultimately no matter which sector you work in it's our responsibility to support our own well-being however I do think that younger people are empowered because they can see that there are people of of my age and older who have gone through this and they're like, I do not need to go through that to succeed in life. I do not want to go through that. I do not deserve to go through that because my outlook as somebody now who is 40, what I may deem as being a positive experience may actually be translated as negative, but because of the era that I grew up in and comparing then to now, of course, it may be a more positive for me. However, somebody in their 20s now looking at it, they'll be like, no, it's not. Like, what are you talking about? And so it's a complete it's a completely different world. The world that they're living in is so much more open and it's so much more exciting for them than it ever was for me. And I'm now looking at it as an adult and I'm super excited because I know exactly where I came from and I can see the generations behind me, like my son, I can see what he's going to come into and it's lush, like it's so exciting. So um, I think there are two different sides there, but they're both extremely valid. Mm. I think listening to, to you, Mercy, for me, I think there might, there, there is more, much more opportunity now 
um, there's much more opportunity for staff representatives to speak up and with speaking up results to us really changing and shifting our our culture for the better. Mm. I think you're right and I think I think young people now can see the importance of equality diversity inclusion and it's it's much more prominent you go into an organization now and there is EDI advisors there is a staff network but what about people then who think that EDI is just something that we have to do what how do we show people how important it is that we that we just keep having these conversations and keep having these discussions some people the EDI um they think is just for the EDI officers just for the EDI advisors which isn't the case EDI is it's about everybody it's quite, you know, the I in particular says inclusion. It's including everybody, which means that we we all need to, you know, have EDI in the in the forefront of our thinking and minds. I suppose how can we encourage that? Well, come along, be engaged with those initiatives. You know, as Mercy said, it could be a simple retweet of something. Well, okay, what have I learned from that bit retweeting that particular post? How can I then make a difference? Even if it's just a small, small difference, you know, it can really make big impacts for the rest of our workforce. For me, an inclusive culture inspires us to all try new things, try new, you know, learn new things, speak openly, openly and, and be bold. It's okay to be bold. Be it feel empowered without feeling that this empowerment, without being feeling bold, it's difficult to then connect to one another. We, as Mercy said, we are all people. <laughs> we, we do all have something in common. Yes, there are differences. Let's celebrate those differences, but also acknowledge that we are all people and we all have something in common as well. I'm really proud and excited to be working mm. across the system now. Maybe a few years ago, you know, we might not have even thought of, yeah. which sounds ridiculous, doesn't it, really? Mm. But that's particularly my intention of developing the um, staff network guide um, that I've shared across the system. The intention of providing that guidance was to provide a template, you know, or, and some top tips for organisations who may not have established staff networks yet or indeed would like to mature their staff networks to then create that culture of sense of belonging. It's not intended for you to follow every word. It's, you know, it's just providing that kind of basis of where to start and it kind of provides a helpful tool for people to start thinking about how to include everybody with whatever they may be doing at work and it sounds like you've obviously put a lot of effort into that and and NUH you know really kind of leading from the front in terms of this sort of work which is fantastic I feel like we're really coming coming up quick as well aren't we Mercy at um, NCHC because we're we've done a lot of work on our staff networks recently too so yeah it's just the beginning isn't it well I mean what do you see Emma as being the next step in terms of our healthcare settings within the ICS? My ambitions for for this particular work stream is for each and every organisation in the system to have staff networks or be able to access staff networks, whether it might be one organisation feels that they can't possibly establish staff networks because of their size. Well, why not come along to us? It's just about that kind of shared learning, feeling able to check in across the system and, and making sure that each and every one of us feels 
um, recognised. What we all need is support and to be listened to and to have a voice. And that's what a sense of belonging is and staff networks. It, it's what that gives you. So by joining the staff network, you get a voice, you use your voice, you are heard and then you feel like you belong. It's a knock on effect, isn't it? And, you know, as a result, what we hope for is, is change for the better. Thank you for listening to Take a Moment with NCHC. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please visit the podcast intranet page to leave a comment and for details of our other episodes. You can also follow NCHC on all social media channels.